Hello, and welcome to the Central Connecticut Intergroup Podcast. My name is Christina, and I'm an alcoholic. My name is Eddie, and I'm an alcoholic. My name is Rayhan, and I'm an alcoholic. And let's start with the serenity prayer. God, God grant, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Uh, we do have a couple announcements. Uh, the Tri-City Alcathon, AA Christmas and New Year's in Cheshire Grange, 44 Wallingford Road in Cheshire, um, is having meetings from Christmas on uh, 1224 noon to midnight, 1225 a.m. to noon. Uh, New Year's Day, they are also having uh, meetings on New Year's Eve, 1231 noon to 130 a.m. and New Year's Day, 118 a.m. to noon. Open meetings are on the even hours starting at noon. There's also another one with the holiday season coming around. You have the 55th annual Branford Discussion Group Christmas Alcathon. Uh, 50-50 raffle, keynote speaker at 8 p.m. Um, and it's Saturday, December 24th from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. at the Italian American Club on 40 Henry Road, Branford, Connecticut. You are not alone. Several hours of meetings, food, coffee, and desserts, fellowship, all are welcome. Potluck, please bring your favorite dish. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> and um, okay. <laughs> so today we have our friend Rayhan with us. Um, so Rayhan, what was life like before AA? So um, in terms of drinking, I assume. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like in general. Yeah. Um, before AA, so I started drinking in college, my freshman year, like almost immediately. Um, I hadn't drank before really. I had drank like the neck of a wine cooler in high school, something like that. Like, I didn't like the taste, so I didn't keep drinking. Freshman year of college, I got there. It was kind of, like, off to the races, you know, like, no supervision. There's boys. There's alcohol. There's, you know, you live with a bunch of girls your age. And I got drunk, really drunk, off of one shot of vodka. Um, And that lasted for hours, and it was (laughs) the best feeling I'd ever felt it was I felt like I was made of magic um I heard a woman describe it once as pretty witty and titty and yes yeah that's exactly (laughs) yes that's exactly how I felt and so I really think for the next you know the decade over a decade I chased that first feeling and it never was as good so I drank until I was around 29 um and then I worked at a restaurant at the time and a girl had just started working there and I had to train her and I was so hungover and I had like just broken up with my very drunk boyfriend like maybe the night before and he was sitting at the bar so it was very uncomfortable and um, my boss was like okay here's this girl you have to train her and I looked at her like this nasty look and she goes bad day. If you only knew. Well, come to find out she did know. Um, She was sober for a month at that time and went to AA, she and her husband. And um, she and I became friends and I would talk to her. We were friends for like a year or so prior to um, me ever going to a meeting. But I would talk to her all the time about, you know, the struggles and what it was like. And she's like, I know I did it. you can always come with me. Actually, the Cheshire Alcathon was something she had invited me to that year, but I absolutely did not attend. Um, I was like, I don't know what any of this is. You people are probably all homeless. I don't know what a Grange is. I'm not going there. Um, so eventually, 
the first night I reached out to her um, about going to a meeting, I was drunk, but I hadn't even drank like an excessive amount. It was not by far one of my worst nights. And um, I called her and the call wouldn't go through. And um, so I ended up texting her, like, I think I want to go to one of your meetings, but not tomorrow, like in a week. So I went with her the next week and it was a meeting in Hamden um, at the Albert Schweitzer Center. And I remember everything about that meeting and that was my first introduction. And I remember going outside after the meeting and thinking like, you always, always have to come here. No matter what happens, you always have to come here. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was before and that was when I met AA. Yeah, I like that, like the, the, like getting that relief, like going to that first meeting. And like you said, like, I don't know who you are, you're all homeless. Like my f- initial thought about people in AA was always like, they they must be homeless. They're 100%. old men, like old, dirty old men with the paper bag. Like yeah. I didn't have any kind of thought like that young people went to AA. And then like when I finally went, it was that relief of, oh, these are my people. Because they talked about like what my head would say. And it was just like, <gasps> This is amazing. It like, was like people were reading out of a journal yeah. of mine or something. I was like, how does he know that? <laughs> He's like 75. Yeah. <laughs> I understand you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like it, it just, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. Like it's just so weird. Like I wish I had been able to like have that experience of like knowing what AA would be like because I would have gone so much sooner. But I mean, it all happens for a reason and when we're supposed to. Um, and then when you came in, like did you – jump right in right away like were you so I was really enthusiastic pretty quickly um I was super nervous and I have some people pleasing um tendencies so I was like whatever you guys say I'm gonna do because I need to be like the best student in the room to be perfect at it absolutely 100% I was like I'm gonna be the most sober and do like exactly what you're supposed to do um but I was also in a great deal of pain and that is there's a doggy here. <laughs> I'm, petting, I'm petting the doggy. <laughs> um, it's it was a huge motivator, obviously. And um, I, when you were just saying like you didn't know who was in AA, like you expected them to be, you know, some like those preconceived notions that I had as well. I met people that were so much like me, mm-hmm. like just my age. They were funny. They had messed up senses of humor. I met people who were, you know, like a generation up and they were super successful in their careers and like mm-hmm. had vehicles. I didn't think that was a thing in AA. I was yeah. like, you must all live under a bridge. Like that's <laughs> who goes um, to these meetings. But it was it was like a really great experience. So. My friend that took me to the meeting and her husband, um, I was, you know, pretty bonded with them anyway. So I hung out with them a lot. They introduced me to a lot of, you know, people our age that they knew. And um, that was mostly in the Hamden, Branford area. And I really got where I really got like the meat of my sobriety was in Wallingford. Um, to, you know, I still attend one of the meetings that I was attending pretty much from the beginning. Um Actually, no. That meeting started a couple years later. Scratch that. Um, <laughs> roll back the tape, Eddie. <laughs> it was incorrect. Um, but it's the same women that I had bonded with early. I've had the same sponsor since just about the beginning. I've had the same, you know, I've had like a really solid network. Um, so some of those girls that I knew right from the beginning are still like the main players in my life. And um, 
they really, you know, I used to hear like these women will become your family and blah, blah, blah. And they really did. I mean, it's, it's blood without blood. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's truly like, it's huge. I don't know what I would have done without them over the years. So in the beginning, yes, I was super enthusiastic for like the first three years, way into it. I had, I had some pretty good I had good sobriety I was really happy it was like moving along I was super connected with God and with people and around three years I had gotten like a, a better job I wasn't waitressing anymore I was you know in an office and I had finally gotten a driver's license I didn't have that prior um and got a car mm. got a stupid boyfriend <laughs> um <laughs> so you no. can imagine what's happening next <laughs> um the um he's a nice man um (laughs) but he had like a social life that included a lot of bars and alcohol and drinking and partying and like obviously i wanted to be with him so i would go and this is in no way his fault but in my head i started justifying a lot of things and that included like I don't really need to be going to these meetings. I'm much better off than when I came in. I have like a better head on my shoulders now. My emotional, you know, life inside is a lot more stable. Um, I don't really relate to these people, like these awful people anymore. Um, I won't cure. Like I'm so much better off. Like look at look at me. was driving like a 2010 Ford Escape and thought I was like extremely (laughs) successful. (laughs) Um, So I had like, you know, the car, the license, whatever, like the job, the boyfriend. And I was like, I want to, I don't want to have to go to these meetings. I want to be able to go out to happy hour with the girls that I work with. I want to be able to, you know, like hang out with my man at a bar, whatever. And that was probably like a year before I actually relapsed um it was all leading up like that and it was just a bunch of thoughts like that and it was nothing that I spoke about I never said anything to anyone because I thought I was not allowed to be feeling like that or feeling anything that would separate me from the program or separate me from the women that I knew or you know even some of the guys were fantastic as well um so I said nothing, and when I say nothing, it builds and compounds, and it just festers and gets so much worse in my mind, mm-hmm. and it gets twisted to the point where at the end I'd be like, God, should I smoke weed before going to work today? Okay, good. Give me the sign. You get no answer, so I'm like, okay, that's fantastic. Let's yeah. light it up. <laughs> it didn't knock it out of my hand. No, exactly. The lighter did it not work. Clearly, this is the correct path <laughs> to be stoned at your desk job. <laughs> um, so that the relapse lasted like five months. And even in the beginning... I can retrospectively see how the obsession and everything picked up immediately. Mm -hmm. However, (laughs) at the time, I was like, well, look at this. I only had a margarita last night. It started with a sip of a margarita on vacation with that dude and his family. And um, I was like, I only had a drink. I'm fine. Um, I didn't even get drunk. Mind you, the next morning, I tossed back, like, three three Bloody Marys at brunch and, like, continued on with my day like nothing was wrong and continued to drink, like, that day. And then pretty much, I think, every day after. I don't really remember, but let's just... That's probably what happened, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So 
that was a five month relapse and it was an absolute descent into madness it was i mean i lost myself i lost my mind and externally you probably couldn't see i had gotten a promotion at that job so i was in like another position and i was doing fairly well and like i don't think anybody would have known unless you knew me like i mean no one out of the program would have been able to pick up on the signs However, people in the program absolutely knew. Um, my sponsor has told me since that she knew long before I actually told her mm -hmm. that I was relapsing. And it's, I can't imagine how difficult it was for them to like watch it go down. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that, you know, my best friend and I had attended a wedding in Newport and she didn't know that I was drinking. And um, so that was like, the big debut for her <laughs> to my relapse. And she was like, I didn't know how to handle it that you were drunk, so I just got drunk. <laughs> and she's not, she's not um, a problematic drinker at all. But like, I know that people, my family, my closest friends like that were really heartbroken about it. And I really felt like I had to hide it even more because oh my gosh, everybody's so proud. You've been sober for three years. Your life is so great. And I was like, I'm secretly back to drinking cooking wine in a closet. That's mm -hmm. legitimately where, where it goes. It's not, it's not pretty. It's not like anything classy. It's not champagne on a boat. Like it's <laughs> sitting next to my dirty laundry drinking cooking wine that I bought at Walmart because the liquor store closed. Mm -hmm. It's It's dirty. It just gets really dirty. And then... I just think of you too. I said you always joke with, like you said, you always think it starts with champagne and it always ends yeah. up with. I go like, to the liquor store and then my disease is like, we also need vodka. So Obviously. Like, like, I get the champagne and then I'm taking a shot of vodka while I'm drinking the champagne. Well, you have to. <laughs> Multiple <laughs> shots. Yeah. I want to so feel classy is how it starts. Why? Yeah, but the classy is not enough. Yeah. Well, like, the classy is not going to get you where you need to be. You have to like round it off. Yeah. <laughs> It's so I, I came, oh, sorry, Christina. No, 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 you, I was just going to say, it just starts the phenomenal craving. Like, yes, <laughs> badly. And that's like, and I still at that point, like, was like, I'm just a social drinker. I like, I've totally got this under control. It's like not a big deal. And in that madness, I'm thinking I'm going to go to meetings and, and uh, drink simultaneously. And then that way I will be like half sober. So I won't be like a full alcoholic. I will have AA with me and alcohol with me, and it's just going to balance it out perfectly. <laughs> Best of both worlds. <laughs> really, like, just very serene, <laughs> very happy. Um, and at that time, like, it, this made complete sense in my head, complete sense. And it wasn't until late I was like, wow, like you should have been locked up. That doesn't, that's not normal. That's not average thinking. And coming back from that relapse, like it was only five months, like I said, but it felt, oh my God, it could have been 500 years. Mm -hmm. um, and coming back was the most wretched thing I've ever done. The dog is talking again. <laughs> <laughs> it was I wouldn't wish like that first meeting back on anybody and I wouldn't wish a first year back on anybody or mm -hmm. any of those first things back yeah. on anyone. It was, oh my God, it was, it was like crawling over broken glass every step. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I will, I have been through quite a bit in life, like all of us. 
And I really think that coming back after the relapse was the most difficult thing I've ever done. It was like a fight for my life. It was sit on my hands, chew my lips for the next five minutes, every five minutes, next do it again five minutes, up until you got an hour, start again, five minutes, five minutes, till an hour. That's how I made it through the work day. I mean, I was still going to work and doing all the normal things, going to meetings every day. I would sneak out of my office and go to a 12 p.m. meeting in Cheshire. Like I used to sneak out and go to the liquor store <laughs> at lunch. <laughs> so it was it was different, but it was it was really brutal. And um, really slowly things started to come back. Like a connection with spirituality started to come back. Um, feeling like I wasn't garbage started to come back. And like I used to think. I'll only be happy once I have more time sober than I had the first time. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I need to get to like three and a half years before I'll be happy. And it happened before that. And now, like, I just had nine years. And I remember everything about that first year. Like, I feel like it's right behind me. Like, it just happened. You know, like, there was an intervention with my family and two people from the program. Um one of the women from our meeting and um like all of that feels so close behind me that I, I i'm just so glad it feels so close behind me too because i remember the pain really sharply and that's a huge motivator and just in general like my life has changed so greatly since then like i couldn't drive before and now I drive in Boston. I lived with my mom and my dad and I live in the city now like by myself. I never thought I'd be able to live independently again because I thought I would always be in danger of drinking. Um, it like I have a completely different job and a completely different career line and like I'm pretty good at it, which is nice to even feel like I'm good at something. <laughs> but and I have, like, my friends and my family, like, those bonds and those relationships are really beautiful and really important to me. And obviously, nothing is ever perfect all of the time. But, I mean, I have just such, like, a sense of deep gratitude and deep happiness for what my life is and um, getting to wake up in that. And that is because I did grueling work in the program with a sponsor with women in my network and um i did it all the time for a really long time and it's still now like my first go-to is our our basics like i have to stop pray breathe journal call whatever like meditate i have to like bring out the first year basics mm -hmm. to get through like i do it all the time just to like recenter because the simple stuff is what works mm -hmm. for me but that's what I where I get the best results. Yeah, I agree. I have to do the simple things. Like yep. when something's going wrong, I have to stop. I have to call someone. I have to pray. I have to do something to get out of that head because I can complicate it. And I can, like I said, I can talk myself into anything. If I then if I don't share it with someone, if I pick up the phone or share about it in a meeting, like anything is a great idea. Absolutely. Like, like you're saying, I feel that way strongly. Like you can make I can make myself sound anything sound so smart. Like, yeah. If I leave it to me, I'm like, yeah, that makes complete sense. Because <laughs> yeah. like, we went out and I relapsed. We relapsed too. So we yeah. decided we went back to Arizona and she was got arrested, got a DUI. She had she was doing IOP. And in the meantime, busy girl. I know. In the meantime, you know, I'm just lucky. I never got arrested. So I'm just on the other side of it. But I'm sitting in the bar. Yeah, and for he my made birthday, me drop him off at the bar I'm, for my birthday. I IOP. She made me drop off before she went to IOP, and then I made her come pick me up, and I was housed. I was high. 
Yeah, well, after IOP, I well, she, she skipped IOP. But that was it. <laughs> <laughs> so that instead of going, I got high and drank. I mean, <laughs> I mean makes sense. What yeah. was I gonna know? But no, I was, I was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> she dropped me off, and I was all like, "That was what I thought was a smart idea. Like, yeah. you're going to IOP, just like drop me problem. off at the bar. I'll be fine. Like, you know what I mean? And it's even, on the way. It's on yeah. the way. Like, and all the while, before I got sober the first time, she was the problem. And then the second time, again, she was the problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's always someone else. It's never me. Yeah. And I can, like, anything makes sense whenever I, if I don't share it or say someone else, like, I always think upstairs, like, I can twist it to where it's cool. I can keep doing, as long as I'm doing what I want to do, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, and then I love what you said about the relapse because it was so, like, coming back is so hard. It's, like, mm-hmm. easy. The first time you come, it's so exciting. Like, this is, oh, I've so been life. Yes. Yeah, I can do this. And yes. everyone's, it's all new and happy. And then, yeah, coming back, like, it is so brutal. And I did it a few times. And it's it just, but the last time, like, I had to be smashed. Like, I'm also so grateful for that because, like, I really, really needed my ego smashed. All my ideas had to be gone. Like, I had to have tried everything. Mm-hmm. And then I was willing to really listen. Like, I, I still, every time I'd come back, I'd be like, eh, like, mm-hmm. I don't know about mm-hmm. this. You know, like, I don't know. Like, I it, love that. All of my ideas had to be gone. Yeah. It's clean slate. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You really had yeah. to surrender to that point because they'd be yeah. ready to come in and listen to people. And, and have then. a different solution because, like, alcohol was my, or drug, you know, whatever it was was my solution and then like I had to be willing to just try something else to try those things like picking up the phone call like I don't I went to a facility where I had to call other women before I could make my personal calls and like that was really really like so good because like I, it forced me to go up to women and ask for their numbers yeah. so now I'm comfortable I can go up to people and pick up the phone calling people even though like in my desperation like it was so much easier like now it's so easy to call my sponsor I don't know why it's so hard to like call women though like when I was going through something over someone that you probably would have been helpful for. Like, it's just, like, it's so heavy. Like, it's, oh, she doesn't want to hear my stuff, even though, like, it would be helpful to you, too. But, like, really willing to have the willingness. I can't think of the right word to no. do it. Yeah, I totally want to hear your stuff also. <laughs> and, like, when I came back in, I was barely willing. Like, I did not want to be in the seats anymore. I really was thinking, like, I'm just not, and I, my head would say, you're not an alcoholic, you're a problem drinker. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the difference is. Yeah. <laughs> one of them doesn't need the rooms. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody yells at the other one. Exactly. <laughs> um, so again, it was just other people. I was like, if these people could get off my back, can't they see I'm an adult and I can make this choice to like, have three beers in a car before going into therapy, that's not an issue. Like this I This isn't hurting you. I like, wouldn't have to sneak <laughs> around if you would get off my back. Exactly. Yeah. That was main for me. Yeah. And if and you wanted me to share, if you want to listen to me, you know I need three drinks before yeah. I guess <laughs> <laughs> Really she should be drinking with me. <laughs> like I had to just wait like really force myself to sit there and wait for the scale to tip a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like it would be like forty nine percent out 51% in and I just had to like let it come down so it was heavier to stay in and I mean obviously thankfully it got there but it was it was really a fight for my life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's tough sometimes coming like say that coming back is the hard part like so I would I don't know it's not that first time in like you said you have all you're ready to be back and the second time I feel like you scratch and bite and claw to stay back in it's mm-hmm. like you hear people say it's um easier to stay sober then get sober and mm-hmm. i felt that way especially after coming back in i was like man it was the second time seems so much harder and i 
I don't wish that on anyone. Yeah. Again. It's, that's why I'm so glad when you go to meetings and you see the newcomer come in. It's like a nice reminder. And it's be, I want to be there for that person. But it's also you see, you're like, good Lord, I remember that. Yes. And I am yes. glad I don't have to do that good pain Lord anymore. Good Lord is right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because like, it, it takes me right back to that yeah. pain. And I can feel that with them. Mm-hmm. How you did you get back into the steps again? Like when after you yeah. did you jump right back in? Um, so I I have a really um, tough and loving sponsor. So there was like no messing around. You know, there was when I came back in. I had done steps the first time as well, um, but when I came back in, it was like you're going to a meeting every day. Mm-hmm. You're calling me at seven thirty in the morning every day. You're calling me when you get out of work every day. Um, I want like. I want like proof you went to the meetings. So, so there was heavy accountability and I was, I was not, I wasn't like fine with it, but I did it. I did it like pretty willingly because I just, I didn't want to do it, but I knew that I had to do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, it just like, there was no bullshitting with her. You know, she knows me very well and knows like my tricks, if you will. And yeah. like, it, there was just no getting around it. And, um, yeah, we got, I think that I can't remember exactly when the steps started again, but reasonably quickly after I came back. And the first time I did the steps, kind of like we were saying, the first round of sobriety is like magical. And like, you're like, I can see colors again. And and this time it was like, I wish I died on the side of the road instead of doing this again. Um, So the second round of steps was like, very brutal it just felt like it gutted me and um it actually you know they say like after a fifth step you feel so much lighter i wanted to drown like after this step this feels this way i still wanted to drown like it was just so painful mm-hmm. and um i was like it's not working but eventually it works and it was honestly it wasn't until step 9 that I started coming back together and like in terms of like internal happiness and things like feeling like they were working again. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody said in a meeting, step nine was also the one I was more, most afraid of because it's face-to-face apologies, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I heard a woman say in a meeting, like every time you make an amends to someone, um, you get a piece of yourself back. Mm-hmm. And that is truly like, that is what I felt, that pieces were just floating back into my heart. And it was... It was big. And, you know, and then not that long after that, I was recruited to move to Boston for a job and like a whole new life began. And it was people always say like there's that slogan beyond my wildest dreams and beyond my wildest dreams is like owning a yacht and a mansion. So (laughs) it's not that is not it. Um, But it's a life that I fantasized about, Mm -hmm. like since I was pretty small, you know, like cute apartment, city life, like it's all. This is stuff I used to daydream about, and it really actually happened. Yeah. That's the same, like, moving to the East Coast, like, it was something I never thought I'd actually do, and, like, now we're here. But it was hard. Moving was really hard because I left. Like, it's the same. Yeah. I see it. I see your nest when you come here. It's like, that's what I had in Vegas. Yeah. Like, leaving it. I don't know why I'm feeling emotional about it. Like, it was so hard. It is hard. I miss them. But, like, you stayed connected. Like, I 
I talk to like them sometimes. Like I need to make the effort. Like you know, I make myself feel distant. I put that wall up yeah. because I'm not reaching out. But my mic goes like, they can reach out. <laughs> <laughs> if they like me, they yeah. would. Exactly. <laughs> and they do sometimes. Like that's the thing. Like it's just you know, it's different. Like moving is. It's just you it know, is. It's changed, but it's bigger. Like now my life is so much bigger. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I have the same sponsor still, so there was no like disconnecting. Yeah. Just FYI, that's like true. she. Because <laughs> you weren't that far. Yeah. I like, you can still it you can makes still sense see now. Yeah. Okay. I, I was wondering if you would pick up on that. I understand. Yeah, so now. she even at one point made me get a Boston sponsor. So I had one there for like a year and a half or two years. Um, but I still like secretly cheated on that sponsor with my sponsor all the time and be like, she says this. Is she crazy? Okay, good. I'm not doing it. (laughs) And then eventually, like, I just went back to my sponsor because it was... It works. There's It works. And there's just no other, like, for me, there's just no other comparison. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're still close enough. Like, you come visit, like, a lot. Yeah, I come visit a lot. And I stay connected with her and my, like, original nest, you know, a lot. So it feels like, it doesn't feel like that large of a space, Mm -hmm. thankfully. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, also, like, it's been many years that she knows me. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of space like that is not as dangerous as if it were earlier. (laughs) Even five years ago, it would have been like way worse, you know, for me to be so far. She has a good understanding. If you guys spend so much time with her, she knows who you are. She knows when something's off when you're through the phone or something like that. It's like she can call you on it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because I definitely need that. Because sometimes I'm not always... I'm guilty of not always being willing to give all the information. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's fine. Are you sure? Yeah. I mean, kind of. Like, you know I mean? Then I have to be called on. And I'm one of those people that has to be called on their BS sometimes. Because sometimes I just want to be like glaze over everything. Everything's fine. Yeah. We're good. It's There's like this mm. little piece of it. Be on my side. Yep, yeah, exactly. And sometimes like you don't know that something's not settling right. Mm. You know, like she's looked at me before and be like, why are you depressed? I was like, I'm depressed? <laughs> what? What? Dare you. I was like, I don't know. Why am I depressed? <laughs> I just didn't sleep well last yeah, night. No, I didn't I don't get know. it. <laughs> just tired. This is too funny. No, that makes sense. Sometimes. Well, oh, I just, when I came back, like, I had the biggest problem with, like, listening to people, too. Like, I thought I knew everything still. And I was, like, praying, like, God, please just, like, remove this from me. Like, I know nothing. Like, please help me remember. Or, like, please let me listen to these people. Like, I, like, people tell me things, and I'd be like, I know. Like, it's, like, bristling. <laughs> yeah, like, I still am like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard like, like, That'd be cool if you knew what you were talking about. Yeah, like, you don't understand. <laughs> like, moving here, because, like, from fake, like, it's just... There's no difference. It's all the same. But, like, the home group I was a part of was just, like, very large and, like, a big city, you know. And yeah. now I'm in a small town. And so, like, but I just looked for the differences. Also, it was January 2020. So, oh, God. Yeah. Like, everybody was already trying to be safe and, like, kind of, you know, staying away. And, and yeah. when, you know, we weren't holding hands. And I was like, this is stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, why mm-hmm. don't we hold hands when we pray? Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> yeah. Like, just anything <laughs> I could find. And I was like, I just want to go back home. Like, I hate it here. And it's cold and all these dumb things. And. I told a meeting in Boston that they did the prayer wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I was about the same. I was like, you don't end it correctly. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, because it's, what is it over here? It's one day at a time. We say stay in Vegas. Arizona says like it's a long thing. Oh, well, that's all incorrect. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Keep coming, right? Yes. Yeah. You keep coming. coming. (laughs) That's all incorrect. (laughs) 
that's the nice part about it. Also going to meetings in other cities too. So I travel for work and I try to go to meetings. I fail most of the time, but I do try and make the attempt. And it's nice when you go and see how other people do it. But it's also like weird. Mm-hmm. Like the message is nice because you can go find your people anywhere. anywhere but also yeah. it's weird to see like the subtle differences. And I'm just like, hmm, that's I'm always strange. judging. I know. Exactly. Always <laughs> judging. <laughs> always watching. I'm definitely on that high horse. And I'm yeah. like, it's a good reminder. I come back and I yeah. get like, oh, how's the view from your high horse? I'm like, well nice (laughs) it's good why (laughs) i have to be reminded to set that stuff aside like i said and go in with an open mind and try and actually listen to people and that's something i have to continue to do and i don't know sobriety's been good for me but i feel like sometimes i still need that reminder i'm still so stubborn Mm -hmm. it doesn't go away easily i I know i said they heard the laugh they they did Well, you are. <laughs> so am I. I know. <laughs> what was your um, experience like finding God, like with your spiritual, like finding your higher power? Oh, that's a good question. Um, second time, it took a long time. Um, I had lost, while relapsing, I had totally lost a connection with God. In the first three years I was in the program, it had been so strong. Mm-hmm. Like this connection with like a greater spirit, you know, like I don't adhere to a religious uh, formula. So it was a lot of things that just made sense to me, pulled from different, you know, some from here, some from there, some from this. And um, it was just kind of a conglomeration of what worked for me and like what made me feel grounded and connected and, you know, just happy. And like I had a deep meditation practice and like I was good. Um, And then the relapse completely cut me off from that. Like it, the connection just went dead. Mm -hmm. And um so obviously when I asked God if I should smoke weed before work, it, I got no answers. <laughs> it was it was a no, apparently. Um, and it took a long time to build that back when I came back. It just, it didn't feel like, like anything was working. It didn't feel like there was no charge. There was, I would try to meditate. It would feel like nothing. I would pray and it would feel like nothing and you know i would ask like please let me want to be sober please like make me go to meet meetings again please you know but it didn't feel like it, how it did in the beginning and i i can't tell you like the day it came back but it it did filter back in and um it's my view of what's out there up there whatever in here has changed a lot you know over the years and like i now have that I have had for a while, like a pretty solid vision of what I use as a source. Um, and it's not the same as most people's and, but it is so good for me. And all I know is how that works for me in me, in my life. I don't know how it works for anyone else and like what anyone else uses. Um, but like my spiritual practice and my meditative practice, um, are amazing for me, you know, but it did, it took a long time, a lot of spiritual seeking, a lot of work to, um, to get there. And, you know, for when I did step two with my sponsor, she had me bring a piece of paper, like a, just a notebook paper, fold it in half. And on one side, write, you know, who God was when I was growing up or the God I grew up with, something like that. And I wrote all the characteristics. Um, and the second half, column was who I want God to be and I wrote those characteristics and she tore it in half down the middle and threw away the you know what I thought God was and handed me the other column of what I want God to be and said this is who you pray to Mm -hmm. so it was just like a very cool tangible sense of um 
like what I could, what those qualities were that I was looking for or wanted in, you know, a source that would take care of me. Basically, mm-hmm. I was just looking for a source to take care of me. Mm-hmm. And trust them to like handle all the yeah. things. Yeah. 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 It's them. too big for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very small. <laughs> but, uh, but I thought I could handle everything. Yep. Him, my sister, my mom, my dad, my jaw. I had, a, I had to fix everything. Uh, I was never under the delusion <laughs> that I could handle anything. <laughs> So I needed the help. Yeah. <laughs> so I totally believed I could do it all. And then, yeah, like, and then finally handling it over, it was like, oh, well, I have so much more time during my yeah. day now. I'll <laughs> go shopping. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Need the money. <laughs> money, though. <laughs> but I like, what's one of my favorite things, too, is like having, step two, said, a God of my own understanding, I think is huge because I think it's so different for everyone. You know what I mean? I'm the same way. I don't prescribe to a traditional god in that sense like i'm a universe person or things that work you know what i mean everyone has their own thing that works and like i think that's so important because i i think efforts are different for everybody but as long as you have something that works for you and you know that you're not in charge i think at the end of the day that's what matters yeah then it's easy to talk to like because i don't know i just i know i'm thinking about like what happened last week and it was just like you need to do this like i I needed to control you and your reaction to what was happening and then then i realized oh (laughs) <laughs> do nothing do nothing yeah. the second piece of advice that is probably the best advice yeah. I've gotten in this program for my sponsors constantly do nothing because inaction is an action yeah <laughs> oh see that's yeah. even better yeah exactly we always get told to do nothing because I know how to make everything worse mm-hmm. if I just don't do anything at least I won't make it any worse when you don't know what to do do nothing, nothing. yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Non-responsiveness is something I had. Non-reaction, rather, is something Mm -hmm. I really had to learn. Mm -hmm. I'm much better at it now, except with, like, certain family members. (laughs) (laughs) We all have our buttons, our triggers. (laughs) (laughs) But with other people, I'm great. (laughs) It's so funny. Like, at at our our meeting, like, a few weeks ago, it was about, like, resentments. I was like, oh, I don't have that many resentments. And then that night, I remembered, because I saw this person, and I was like, oh, Oh. yeah, there's a walking resentment for Mm -hmm. me. (laughs) And we get in the car, and those were first words. We'd be like, I can't believe I forgot I had a resentment against this person. (laughs) We just had this meeting, and I have a giant resentment. (laughs) I was like, oh, I don't have that many. You know, maybe institutions, mostly now. But yeah, like there are those people that are just like, mm-hmm. stay calm, <laughs> trust God. That and that person's God's kid too, which is it's. I have to remember that they. Have I know, but it's real BS when you have to think of that, right? Oh. Like, it's no. real garbage. I want everyone to be angry with me, and I want to tell you why they suck and yep. like all the reasons. I, I want you to justify it with me. Why yeah. do you want me to see their side? Like, yeah. tell your sponsor, you tell them what's going on. Like, well, what about this? You're like, yeah. mm. I don't want to hear that right now. Like, yeah. Just, just agree with me. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any questions? Uh, no, I don't have a lot of questions today. This has been fun. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming and doing this. Oh, this thanks, guys. Yeah. It was great. Thank you so much. We appreciate you having you on. Um, and then we usually close with the we version of the serenity. Prayer. Okay, perfect. God. God, God grant, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference.